0: You might hear one point out of the sermon. No, I'm kidding. yeah,'ll just I'll just stand back a little bit. Where'd Judy go? Where're chewing off to? That's all right. Okay, well, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I, I reflect on growing up and my mom and such, such a great mom, really, such a great mom and I think about how much I appreciate her now, and it's not that I didn't appreciate her growing up, but not, not near as much as I do now, how much I appreciate what she has done for me, how much she sacrificed for me, and how much she loved me, and so, you know, there are a lot of good moms here that I've been able, the past year, have seen, and I hope that... Your children really appreciate and grow in their appreciation for you, because unfortunately I think growing up we don't realize how much we should appreciate our moms. So before we get into the sermon, let's pray and then we'll get into it. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for mothers, and we're aware that there are some people this is a tough day for them, and we pray for them. We pray that you would give them comfort. We pray that you would give them peace. And Lord, we we also understand that you also show us motherly attributes, like a mother hen gathering her chicks. You just want to protect us. You want to keep us in your presence. And so often we are just little chicks that run away, (laughs) that we we don't want to be under your wing. We don't want to be under your uh, protection. But Lord, we thank you that like a mother hen, you gather us under your wing. And Lord, we are so thankful that most importantly, you're our father, Uh, that you take care of us, that you bless us, Lord, that you give us your spirit, that you sanctify us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as you know, we've been going through the Gospel of John, and we're wrapping up John chapter 5, and just kind of tie it in, that's usually how I go through these series, I try to connect each sermon to one another. And so, just to recall from last week, we saw that Jesus, he does not just bear witness about himself. Right? He doesn't just bear witness about himself. He has John the Baptist. John the Baptist bore witness about him. We saw most importantly, however, that he has the signs, he has the miracles, and his father bears witness about him. Now, in light of that witness, we will either believe or we will not. But here, here's the thing about all people here's the thing about all people, whether you grew up in church or not, we all at least begin from a place of unbelief. And in the text that we're going to read through today, we're going to see seven signs or you could call characteristics of unbelief, and one seems to be kind of the base, the root of unbelief. So John chapter 5. John chapter 5, we'll take a look at, at verses 38 through 47, starting with 38. It says, Jesus says, and you do not have his word, that is God the Father's word, abiding in you. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. Now keep in mind, Jesus, he's talking to Jews. Most immediately in the context, he is talking to the Jews and he's saying, you do not believe me, you don't believe the one who is sent, therefore you do not have his word, God the Father's word, abiding in you. So while he's immediately talking to these Jews, I think this can apply to really anybody who is unbelieving. And the first sign or characteristic of unbelief, of the first characteristic of those who do not believe, they do not have his, God the Father's, word abiding in them. See, at some point, every single person in here, myself included, did not have his word abiding in me. Now, this word for word could just be referring to God's message, what God has proclaimed, but I'm inclined to believe that this word is probably referring to Jesus himself. After all, considering, again, the context of the Gospel of John, the very first chapter in the Gospel of John is just comparing Jesus to the Word. The being was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So I think there's reason to believe that this word, the Father's word, not abiding in those who do not believe, is Jesus himself. So maybe Jesus is saying that you do not have me abiding in you since you do not believe me. And in the further context of the Gospel of John, I kind of pointed out John chapter 15. Jesus, he's talking about being the true vine. And he says says to them, abide in me and I in you. So you see that we're not going to have Jesus abiding in us if we do not abide in him. So, on the flip side, if we believe, if we trust the one whom God the Father has sent, Jesus, then we will have Jesus, the word, abiding in us. But of course, for those who do not believe, they do not have Jesus abiding in them. Verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. So here Jesus, he's getting a little more specific to his audience, right? Remember, he's talking to religious Jews. And he says that they search the scriptures because that they, they, they think that they have eternal life in them. Second char- characteristic of unbelief, people look in the wrong places for life. Religious and non-religious. So often do religious people look for the wrong places. Not just the Jews, just religious people in general. Sometimes we look in the wrong places. For instance, let me, let me address this. Our, our scripture is good. This is good, church. And I hope you're studying this and you're learning from it. You're growing from it. You're growing in wisdom. You're growing in knowledge. I hope that is true. But here's the thing. Do not read your Bible because you think you're earning brownie points to heaven. Don't think that you, if you read X amounts, you're going to be more saved The reality is somebody could know this cover to cover, but not know Jesus and not be saved. Read your Bible because you want to know the person who saves you more. Jesus is the one who saves us. Scripture points to him. And the Hebrew scriptures, the scriptures that Jesus is immediately referring to here, they point to him. So let's take a look at a few just for the context. Psalm chapter 22. What are some scriptures that pointed to Jesus that the Jews would have known? Psalm 22. Psalm 22. We're going to skip around a little bit. Verse 1 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me, from the words of my groaning? You can kind of see there the obvious parallel between what Jesus says on the cross and these words here. Skip down to verses 6 through 8. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me, they make mouths at me, they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. That verse 8, right? That sounds like the words from the thief on the cross saying, If you're the son of God, save us and save yourself. Skip down to verses 16 through 18. It says, For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Just like the soldiers, they cast lots for Jesus' clothing. Just realize the significance of this passage here. Now, obviously, for those who are believers here, you believe, this, you believe this to be true. You believe this to be prophecy pointing towards Jesus. I'm preaching in the choir here, right? But man, casting lots, that specific detail, this, this being written some 600 years in advance between Jesus being on earth and this text, so specific and so true to what Jesus went through. And of course, Isaiah 53, one we all know. Isaiah 53, the suffering servant passage. I'm going to flip here in my Bible because I prefer to read here than the slides. Isaiah 53, verses 5 through 7. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. There are so many. There are so many Old Testament passages that point to Jesus. So many Old Testament passages that the Jews would have been well aware of that point to Jesus. Church, our scripture is good It is good, but we got to keep in mind who it points to. It points to the one who saves us. Back to John chapter five, John chapter five verse forty. So they they search the scriptures because they think that in them is eternal life. But it is they that bear witness about me. Verse forty, Jesus says, "Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life." see, throughout the Old Testament, as we know, God, he, he's trying to save his people with the whole world in mind, but he's trying to save Israel, but they just keep falling away, right? They just keep falling away. They cannot live up to God's law, thus emphasizing their need for a few things, right? One, atonement. Two, empowerment. Now, this could be said a few different ways, but that's how I'm going to say it right now. Atonement and empowerment. And God has been building up to perfect, complete, final atonement in Jesus, An empowerment that comes from being indwelled by the Spirit. See, there's so many prophecies in the Old Testament that point to the atonement that's going to come in Jesus and the empowerment that's going to come from the Spirit. Because we have hearts of stone that God is going to change into a heart of flesh. Ezekiel chapter 11. See, even if there's, there's so much that points to Jesus... There's so much in their scriptures, the the, the scriptures that the Jews had, the scriptures that Jesus refers to, to them. There's so much that points to him and the life that they could have, yet they refuse to come. A better translation would actually be they do not want to come. They do not desire to come. That's just not in their desire. They just don't want Jesus. And there could be a number of reasons why. They think they've got it figured out on their own. They think that their religious piousness is what saves them. They think that they just can save themselves. They think they know better than Jesus. They just don't want to come. Their desires are pointed everywhere but Jesus. The third characteristic or sign of unbelief, people just don't really want Jesus. Their desires are elsewhere stuff, material possessions, their own philosophies, uh, thinking that they got life figured out, third sign of unbelief. People just don't really want Jesus. Verses 41 and 42, Jesus says, I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Jesus is not concerned about receiving glory from man. He doesn't really really need our praise. I hope you realize that, right? Jesus doesn't really need our praise. He's not dependent upon our praise. He doesn't need our glorification of him. He is glorious. Whether we acknowledge that or not. Remember Jesus' focus back in verse 30. I'm going to read that. I can do nothing on my own. It's not in the slides. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. There is Jesus' focus. He's completely focused on the Father's will, not concerned about receiving glory from people. And I think verse 41 here, I think it's highlighting, it's kind of hinting at the core issue, hinting at the core issue of unbelief. See, one big difference between Jesus and us, Jesus does not seek the glory of man, but we so often do. And as for verse 42, I think this is highlighting the fourth byproduct or characteristic of their unbelief. They don't really have the love of God within them. People who do not believe, people who do not trust him, do not have the love of God within them. After all, if you don't have the word abiding in you, How could you have the love of God within you? Think about this for a second with me. Maybe you can see where I'm going with this. 1 John 4, God is love. If God is love, what does that tell us about Jesus? Jesus is love. Jesus is God. If Jesus is also simultaneously the word and love, if we don't have the word abiding in us, that means we don't have the love of God abiding in us because Jesus is love and he is the word. Word. We will not have him. We will not have his love abiding in us if we do not have his word abiding in us because Jesus is the word. You kind of see how I'm going there? Maybe not. That's okay. Verse 43, I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. Jesus, he comes, right? He comes in the name of God the Father He's talking to the Jews. I come in the name of the God you worship, the God you serve, yet you reject me. The second half of this verse is very, very interesting. If one, if another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. Fifth characteristic of unbelief is unbelievers will accept people if they come in their own name. But why? Why would they not accept Jesus if he comes in the name of God the Father, but accept somebody if they come in their own name? This is a point I heard from another preacher. It's a very, very good point. A humble, selfless king is more of a threat than an arrogant, power-hungry king. The humble, selfless king highlights our own arrogance, our own selfishness, while the selfish, arrogant, Power-hungry king affirms our base evil desires. We like the arrogant king. We like the selfish king because they're like us. They're not a threat to us. But a humble king is. Verse 44. This is getting to the root. the, the, The root, it seems to be the root, the base of unbelief. Jesus says, how can you believe? How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Now, one quick note here. In the Greek, it's, I think it's intentional. I think it's important. There is no definite article before glory when it says when you receive glory from one another. And then the, the definite article, the, is there. The glory. You do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. I think that's very intentional. There is just Fake, there is just a substitute, glory from one another, and then there is the glory from the only God. Glory from one another is just a cheap substitute for the glory of or from the only God. Now, I want you to trace this a little bit with me. So, last week we covered verses 30 through through 37. So, we had this witness, the more than sufficient witness to Jesus... This week, verses 38 through 47, we focus on, Jesus focuses on why people don't believe. Verse 44 seems to be the primary focus. How can you believe if you're just focused on receiving glory, that's cheap substitute from one another? Man, and there's so many ways we do this, isn't there? So many ways we do this. Uh, maybe, maybe you're just all concerned about getting that next promotion. Uh, getting attention because you, you got this status, you got this power, you got this authority. Maybe even just as simple as like a, I don't know, social media on our phones. Talk about a platform built for just receiving glory from one another. Look at me, here's me at lunch with my pizza, like it. This is a platform built on just receiving glory from one another. And now I know people are saying, oh, social media is not all that bad. Come on, let's be honest with ourselves right now. There is more negative that comes out from it than there is good. It's a platform just built on receiving glory from one another. We're not really connected. We're not really connected. We're just appeasing one another. Liking one another. Some people might think, well, why can't I have both? Why can't I seek glory from men and the glory of God? That's not really faith, is it? Faith gives God all the glory. Look at Romans 4. Romans 4, verse 20. Talking about Abraham and his faith. Verse 20 says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Do you see how faith, growing strong in faith, is directly tied to giving glory to God? The more strong you grow in your faith, the more glory you are going to give to God. Faith is not about receiving your own glory. I think of the John the Baptist in John chapter 3 that we talked about several weeks ago. How he was all about pointing to Christ. He says, I must decrease and he must increase. John the Baptist realized, man, it's not really about me. It doesn't really matter. I could fade into nothing. And all that matters is that Jesus would become everything. Faith gives God all the glory. That's why you can't have both. Verses 45 through 47, Jesus says, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There's one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, how you would have believed me? For he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? He just told Jews that they don't really believe the scriptures they claim to believe. Because if they did, they would believe him. Because they point to him. They don't really believe the man that they claim to believe, Moses, because Moses pointed to him, a prophet like him, to come. Deuteronomy chapter 18. The scriptures, Moses, point to him. They don't believe what they claim to believe in. Jesus doesn't need to accuse them. Moses does. The scriptures do. Seventh characteristic of unbelief. Don't, uh, people just don't believe what's right in front of them. The Jews, they had their scriptures right in front of them. Scriptures that pointed to Jesus, a Messiah like Jesus to come. They had it right in front of them, but they did not believe. It astonishes me that there are some people who think that if they just... Just if something were to happen right now, if a miracle were just to happen right now, if Jesus were to open up the skies and stand right in front of me now, I would believe. That happened then, and there were plenty of people who did not believe. How does this apply today? How. How do people just not believe what's right in front of them? Well, Romans 1, right, would say, you you got creation. Uh, For people who may maybe not religious, maybe you're just an unbeliever, maybe you just don't believe in God at all, Romans 1 would say, you have creation right in front of you. People who don't believe just don't believe what's right in front of them. People don't believe the witness of Jesus. They don't believe. uh, People don't believe. Every single one of us in here. At some point, right? I'm not just pointing a finger at at everybody who's outside the church. I'm also pointing a finger at somebody who I was. I didn't believe because I, I didn't believe the witness of Jesus. I didn't believe because I sought to self self glorify. I was just concerned about my own glory. We have all been there. I pray you seek his glory. I pray you believe. I pray you are convicted. You can come as we stand and sing.